Hello and welcome to the 3H2 Humans Mastermind Symposium of Infinite Possibility Radio Show. Each episode, Lynn and Mustachio will explore continuums of meaning, varied perspectives, and thought seeds to place in the garden of the mind. Who knows what will grow? So sit back, stand up, drive or jog, whatever the motion may be, we are here to support each individual's journey to define health, happiness, and a humble perspective during the information era. Enjoy. Greetings! Today is August 17, 2016, here in the summertime South Perry. The weather has taken a bit of a shift towards hot and sunny when... About two weeks ago, it was overcast, cold, very few 90-plus degree days of constant sunshine. (laughs) I have enjoyed jogging in the sunshine. I have a base coat tan (laughs) here in August. (laughs) Yeah, mustachio jokes. I have left the cave. I feel revitalized in many ways. A simple act of jogging in the sunshine, getting vitamin D absorbed through the skin and the eyes, the back of the legs and the retina. I feel a bit more human and I am reminded on why I enjoy summer, simple pleasures in life, such as a sunny day, help me to remain on track with my lifeboat and my life compass. All of these things <laughs> which direct me in life benefit from simple pleasures. Today's episode is season two, episode four, 10 list questions, comments, and answers. The format of the show is similar to episode three. For each show, I work off of a one-page document, and it has the listener challenge, the 10 list, two five lists, and then announcements. This appears to be a helpful template. I'm able to stay organized with the information and have a pink zone tangible item, something I can check off of as I go to assure that I've covered the topics and subjects and things that Mustachio and I brainstormed about prior to the episode. In many ways, that's what these radio shows are. They are masterminded symposiums of infinite possibility. Many perspectives, paradigms, manners of thought are considered prior to each show. That's another reason why the shows are released irregularly (laughs) there isn't a schedule they just kind of they just happen we're fortunate enough to be able to go on our own schedule we produce episodes when we want to when it's a priority and today august 17th 2016 a wednesday the radio show is a priority starting off the listener challenge for today clean windows Number 18, clean windows inside and outside, house windows, car windows, become consciously aware of windows and glass structures within the environment. Ponder, when was the last time I deep cleaned these windows? 
Dedicate time each day to this activity for a week. Vacuum windowsills, scrub off water stains, and wash glass. Once clean, develop a system of regular maintenance. For example, wash the car windows each time gas is pumped. Multitask when possible. Work with the family unit to establish individual and group accountability. Visualize a clear future through clean windows. The motivation behind this listener challenge came after I looked through some windows I had just cleaned. (laughs) With the official start of summer, it was time for me to clean off some of that dirt and rain and bugs and all the things that come along with seasonal transitions. Simple things such as cleaning the windows have a huge impact on the overall feel of a room. When I gaze out the window, I feel calmer. I believe subconsciously parts of my thinking were dedicated to, oh gosh, I need to clean this window. (laughs) Once the window's clean, serenity is felt. (laughs) In addition to cleaning the glass, I vacuumed the windowsills, and also remove the screens and clean those off. That made a big difference as well. Sometimes it's a bit of a pain to pull the screens in and out, but for me, uh, it's worth it. There's a feeling of fulfillment when I look at the windows and have no more to-do items. I get a sense of fulfillment when I look at the windows and I recognize I put my best foot forward and was diligent with my actions. Be diligent with the window cleaning. And this can be in the home, the car, the bathroom shower glass, perhaps at work, or a TV. Think of surfaces of this nature, maybe a computer monitor. Sometimes they gather stuff along the way too. Be mindful of screens and glasses and things that we humans look through. This is listener challenge number 18, clean windows. Visualize a clear future through clean windows. The 10 list for today deals with questions, comments, and answers. It appears to be an annual tradition (laughs) for us to dedicate episode four to a question and answer format. This allows us time to crank out a few episodes before the questions come in and uh, all that stuff. Much of the input received about last season has been applied and corrected in many ways. So we do appreciate all y'all who sent in questions, comments. Here are some answers. Oh, yes, Mustachio points out, we have been experiencing some technical difficulties. (laughs) A lack of a tech advisor comes with complications. One of them is the contact form, still routed to the old development site. I don't know the back-end way to fix all that, so I deleted it. (laughs) Now on the contact info, There is an email address, 3h2spokane 
at gmail.com. Send inquiries to this email address. And synchronistically, I prefer direct email. When I go to someone's site and they only have a contact form instead of a way for me to copy and paste an email and then just send it through my thing, I like that better. In some weird ways, this is a blessing in disguise. And the contact form ones would go to spam and then it wasn't working and it's just... (laughs) Needless energy put towards something that I don't even enjoy myself. So I don't know if other people do or... What's going on with that? My solution? I deleted it. (laughs) If there... Is anyone out there who has sent an inquiry through the contact form or some other way and I did not respond, please resend the communication. If I receive something from someone, I respond. Whether I agree or disagree, think it's good or bad or right or wrong, at this stage, I respond. So if a response was not received, it's because the communication was not received. All right, (laughs) diving into the 10 list for questions, comments, and answers. Number one, is 3H2 Humans set up to generate revenue? Number two, who is your target audience? Number three, what is conscious communication? Number four, explain the details of a cognitive tarot session. How do you aim to shift paradigms of thought? Which paradigms are they? Number six, why do you pick on people and read emails on the air? Number seven, what are pish posh words? Is there a glossary of terms? Number eight, can I notify 3H2 of an upcoming local event? Number nine, why are some names anonymous and others given on air? Number 10, Why do you have two recordings per show? These are the questions we will go over today. I like how there's quite an array of questions, ranging from thoughts to practices, subjects of intrigue. This is a well-rounded set of inquiries. We appreciate everyone who contributed to this episode. Thank you. Number one, is 3H2 Humans set up to generate revenue? 3H2 Humans is an organization with focus on individual optimization of health, happiness, and a humble perspective during the current tech revolution underway. Information is abundant. We offer thought seeds to expedite learning throughout the journey of life. Through conscious communication, our message is broadcast on an international level. We offer a free podcast in iTunes, which is in its second season. The audio feed may also be found on Yarn and other podcasting formats. Learn with us as we navigate rapidly changing areas of modern technology related to entrepreneurship and overall wellness of the mind and body. In addition to the podcast, 3H2 offers speaker analysis for individuals and businesses tasked to hire a speaker. In addition to the podcast, 
3H2 offers speaker analysis for individuals and businesses tasked to hire a speaker. Contract 3H2 to offer a third-party perspective into a speaker's ability to communicate a message. In addition to speaker analysis, we offer cognitive tarot instruction and tools, mystery mind seed posters, and a bi-monthly 3H2 box of goodies. Visit the online store to see what is new this month as items in the store are updated frequently. That is number one. Is 3H2 Human set up to generate revenue? Yes, we are. Last year we were not, this year we are. A common question I get asked <laughs> is how do you make money? How is 3H2 monetized? Just a whole sack full of questions along the lines of money and how is it made with this venture? I encourage people <laughs> who want to ask me this question, visit the website, go to the online store and look at the products and services offered. A pet peeve I have of life coaches and business coaches and other categories of entrepreneurs is a lack of an online store or some sort of tab on the website of products and a way to purchase them. Each person seems to have a free ebook and a webinar and a summit and all this other stuff. And it's just saturated, extremely saturated. I believe a more productive approach is the approach that we took to have an online store, to have products and services. I believe each entrepreneur can come up with a couple products and services and put them in the store with the prices. A pet peeve within a pet peeve <laughs> is when someone advertises themselves as a life coach, but then doesn't offer what their rates are, what their meta is. How is the coaching? How does the coaching take place? What are the parameters? Many questions that I believe the life coach themselves doesn't even know. <laughs> And I think that's where it begins. That's why people don't put their rates up or finite information because it's a challenge to pinpoint it down, pinpoint a price that says, I am worth this. This is how much my time costs. While conducting research, about one out of every 20 life coaches and podcasters and all of that stuff had some sort of spot on their website dedicated to products and services that could be purchased. Many of them have all kinds of stories and validations and, oh, this person loves me and blah, blah, blah. Oh, by the way, contact me for a session. Well, how much does that cost? What, how long is it? What do I get when I walk away? I strongly encourage entrepreneurs, life coaches, speakers, and creatives in general, artists, people who want to sell merchandise. That's how I bought the Travis Chapman Einstein painting was through his online Etsy store. It's because he set it up, I was able to purchase something. That's the first step is setting it up. And we have done that. 
So now we can point a finger and say to all those other people, where's your store? <laughs> How much is the hourly rate? That just, uh, it cracks me up. How very few people who charge by the hour put their hourly rate in public view. Well, we do. <laughs> so check out the store and get some ideas. Allow the 3H2 online store to be a thought seed. Take some of those ideas. Upgrade the ones that don't seem optimized and ingest, reflect, and modify some of the aspects of the store that are enjoyed. Of the online stores I visit, I like clean, separate stores because it, all the information and backstories and validations and that stuff just mucks up the core of what's there. And that was our objective with our online store was to create a clean, specific section to conduct business and then have the fun stuff somewhere else. An idea, a thought seed to place in the garden of the mind. <laughs> and that is number one. Is 3H2 humans set up to generate revenue? Number two, who is your target audience? Who are you making this for? The target audience for 3H2 humans is best described as an alien species from a distant planet. These aliens are significantly more evolved than modern humans of the 2010s. Our goal at 3H2 is to convince these aliens that humans are a healthy, happy, and humble species worthy of life. Our goal is to convince these aliens that humans are a healthy, happy, and a humble species of creature worthy of life. Current projections predict a negative outcome if these advanced aliens judge humanity based off of a mass media portrayal of human existence. 3H2 Humans aims to provide an alternative source of mentortainment for these aliens when they indubitably visit Earth. We hope to offer a positive example of human media. <laughs> this question and questions like it bother me who is your target audience who are you making this for modern entrepreneurs and entertainers focus too much on who they think will like something this approach hinders a genuine process of creativity in order to have an intended audience there needs to be an assumption towards what that audience wants. To assume is to be foolish. I disagree with the whole, who is your audience, imagine your dream client, all that stuff is nonsense in my mind. I create the radio show for me, future me and past me. What would I want to listen to? These are the questions I asked. If I lost my memory, what information would I want to hang on to? People tend to focus too much on marketing. A great product markets itself. Flashy slogans and gimmicks are needed when a product lacks substance. These tactics trick 
a person into buying a product. If something is a best seller, this does not mean it is a helpful or useful product. It simply means people bought it. That's it. When something is a best seller, the quality of the product remains unknown. All right, this is question number two. Who is your target audience? Who are you making this for? <sighs> yeah, this question drives me crazy. Because <laughs> I want to answer about the alien species. Some sort of creature who is unfamiliar with Earth culture and who doesn't have human preconceived notions and ego and biological drives. What kind of information would those aliens want? And how can we create content that would be intended for a superior alien? to explore why is this question asked why do people want to know target audience I was recently speaking with someone and they had asked my target audience oh is it for men or for women for young people or for older people for educated or uneducated I don't think any of those is for people who are interested in optimization of health, happiness, and a humble perspective. I personally don't believe that can be chunked down to some sort of demographic. Listeners of the show are young, female, and educated, as well as old, male, and uneducated, and everything in between. I would like to have an intelligent conversation with people about this topic. I do feel passionately that in terms of contextual constructionism, and this word refers to the context of the time, how are thoughts constructed taking into account modern paradigms? Taking into account modern paradigms of content, the majority of it seems twisted towards becoming a bestseller and oh look at all these people who love me and oh follow me on Facebook like my Instagram all all these things what does that mean does that validate a speaker or their mission to have a bunch of followers I don't think so look at history how many people in history led sheeple in a negative ego-based direction a lot (laughs) and I think that's because there is a focus on tricking people and luring them in and using gimmicks and for the most part taking advantage of people we strive to do the opposite we strive for genuine content which will save us from an alien invasion That is number two, who is your target audience? Who are you making this for? Number three, what is conscious communication? There are many categories of communication. Conscious communication is a communication style 
with focus on establishment of a mutual understanding. Typical communication focuses on grammar, spelling, and technical aspects of word formulation. There is also marketing-centered communication, persuasion, and several other areas of potential focus in language. Those who study conscious communication view language from a neurological perspective. Neuronal connections, nutrition, body language, mindset, and other vantage points are considered when conscious communication is explored. Spelling and technical aspects of communication are put aside as intent and understanding become a point of focus. A person who uses conscious communication speaks with conscious awareness. In contrast, a person who is distracted or lacks present moment awareness speaks from a place of subconscious processing. This means words are formulated through an autopilot mindset rather than through conscious control. Similar to a daze, words spoke via subconscious processing create a yellow zone disconnect. The speaker and listener lack a mutual understanding. The opposite of a yellow zone disconnect is pink zone tangibility. Pink zone tangibility happens when both parties engage in conscious communication. To put it in other words, all parties utilize present moment awareness during information transfer. Pish-posh words are minimized, devices are put away, as focused attention is offered to a speaker. This is conscious communication. This is the pink zone. Number three, what is conscious communication? Jumping back to the contextual constructionism, conscious communication is a relatively new term. I Google it every now and then over the last probably two years, every couple months or so, and there isn't a whole lot. (laughs) I believe this will change. Conscious communication is a seed. It's in the process of mainstream development. These are our views on conscious communication. Mustachio and I gave a lot of thought to this question and we internalized this concept as a means to come up with our own definition and a 3H2 spin on conscious communication. I do encourage people, look up this term. See what other people are saying. Some people have written whole books about it and all kinds of stuff. Many of their ideas are different than ours. Some overlap, some are opposite, some are similar. A whole buffet of brain snacks exist in the world of conscious communication. For those who desire to learn and embrace conscious communication, this is the right place. (laughs) Welcome. (laughs) Number four, explain the details of cognitive tarot. Cognitive tarot begins with an open mind. Both participants, myself included, benefit from an environment of present moment language. Similar to a jog in the rain, 
This type of exercise is not for everyone. Those who enjoy critical thought and expansion of neuronal connections through introspection are encouraged to join me on a journey with Cognitive Tarot. Once an appointment is set up through the online scheduling program, an email will be sent with basic information with regard to the process. On the day of the read, silence cell phones and other devices. Be in the moment. Let go of past stereotypes of the self and become open to infinite possibilities. Once the mind is prepped and brief chit-chat out of the way, the read will begin. To summarize, we will pick three categories of focus. Examples of potential categories are passion projects, communication with others, and short-term goals. The subjects are selected with a positive, soul-based lens on life. One at a time, we will pick a random tarot card for each subject. The tarot card will represent a key word and a phrase which will be applied to the subject. For example, the Nine of Pentacles represents comfort. If the first category is passion projects, we will investigate how passion projects provide comfort. This process will be done for each of the three subjects. Three subjects, three random tarot cards, and an open mind will result in real-world critical thinking and expansion of vocabulary. If an in-person visit to the 3H2 office in Spokane is difficult to schedule in advance, consider a remote session, over the phone, or email communication as alternatives. Feeling extra adventurous and want to play with Cognitive Tarot solo? Purchase a Cognitive Tarot... Purchase a Cognitive... <laughs> Purchase a Cognitive Tarot starter kit in the online store. Give the mind a brain snack, a mental workout. Number four, explain the details of cognitive tarot. Cognitive tarot is basically a word association exercise. At its core components, peeled down to its simplest form, that's what it is. There's a subject and then a tarot card meaning. That subject is paired with the meaning. The reason why we feel passionately about cognitive tarot is because it's like a workout for the mind, a real world critical thinking exercise. This system was created with psychology, philosophy, nutrition, science, humor. <laughs> An interdisciplinary approach was taken in the development of the cognitive tarot meanings. Rather than regurgitate tarot meanings of other people, we put our own twist on things. The tarot definitions we use are different than the definitions that other people use. Our definitions are bite-size, concise phrases and words intended to entice novel thought and positive stimuli. The keywords on the card are geared towards positivity. Some of them are negative. There's keywords like dishonesty, struggle, things of that nature, which I believe 
it is things of that nature. It's important for us humans to take a yin and yang approach to life and examine aspects of character which are desired. Let's nurture those. And then aspects of character which are less than, let's push those aside. Cognitive tarot is something that can be done alone. I'm not needed. That was another thing that was a requirement for this product was that people can do it on their own. (laughs) I like to do things on my own. I keep weird hours. I keep weird schedules. I'm just a weirdo bajirdo in general. And I wanted to cater to an audience that was similar to me. Explore. Cognitive tarot. Last evening, I was on a cognitive tarot phone call. A little over an hour. Went a little over time. I need to figure out a way to do that. Uh, It sounds kind of cruel, but to get some sort of app or something that just shuts the phone down after an hour. Because I will keep talking and other people keep talking. It's a... um, It's difficult to get things down to an hour. That is a complication I will admit out the gate that I am working towards a solution for. This conversation was extremely captivating. We stayed on subject, workshopped some surface level ideas and some deeper levels behind behavior and all due to random stimuli. It's really neat for me to do cognitive tarot with people because I get to see their best side. (laughs) As we will explore soon, I often see the darker side of people, the aggression, the anger, the questioning, all, all the negative things, and it's taxing. In the land of cognitive tarot, all that is forgotten. When I was on the call last night, I offered my undivided attention to each of the subjects, and it was like an escape. Yes, Mustachio has a good point. Similar to an awesome lecture or captivating TED Talk where present moment awareness is achieved. Within present moment awareness, there is an ease of ability to tap into higher levels of consciousness truly explore the best parts of who we are as humans. Yes, (laughs) cognitive tarot in its early stages. uh, It's only how long? Like three years? Just a couple years. I imagine the 10 year anniversary cognitive tarot kit is going to be far superior to what it is today. So come on in at the early stage. (laughs) And it's handwritten. That will change down the road. Um, But for now, I do like the comforting feel of the words in a handwritten font. That is number four. Explain the details of cognitive tarot. Okay. This next question. I received quite some time ago, a couple months, and I am glad to address it on air. Here we go. Number five, how do you aim to shift paradigms of thought? Which paradigms are they? Through trial and error, a new way to host a radio show 
and communicate with the general public has been explored with 3H2Humans. People tend to mimic what others do after thinking something works. Consequently, long-term gratification is rarely considered during investigation of success. This short-term gratification is at the core of why past paradigms have failed in modern society. For example, social media. I do not use social media for 3H2Humans. Even though people tell me I need to, I have to use social media if I want to be successful, <laughs> I'm no fool. I recognize social media will create a shortcut to discovery of new listeners. It's a significant shortcut, but it's one I don't want to take. Thus, I create my own style of doing things when a paradigm of thought doesn't sit well with intuition. Currently, a followed paradigm of entrepreneurs is to promote content on social media. So far, this show is the only show I know of to opt out of social media craze. I disagree with many of the paradigms and systems I encounter. As for which paradigms specifically, here are a few besides social media. The main large entities include education, housing, medical care, criminal justice, and the nine to five workday. For the most part, each system which remains the same after 2005, after the internet became a household item, will benefit from an upgrade of perspective. Education. Memorization of past facts does not help a student critically think in the future. The testing structure is backwards, as the information the student needs to know is kept secret. Why is needed information kept under lock and key? Either a person knows how to do something or they do not. Let's test application of knowledge rather than memorization thereof. Additionally, classrooms are crowded and mechanistic. Humans are not robots and have varied modes of learning. To expect every person to learn from root memorization is ridiculous. It's time to innovate with technology and teach people on an individual basis. Self-paced learning programs are a start. What other modern tools will improve paradigms in education? Housing. The cost of living is needlessly high. This, coupled with numerous empty dwellings, creates a recipe for an outdated paradigm. The housing meta needs a fresh look as it does not fall in line with traditional patterns of supply and demand. There is enough of a supply to reach the demand. The current supply needs to be repurposed. The bureaucratic application process to rent a home could also use an overhaul. If a person is treated like a number on an application rather than a human being, they will likely not care for a rental home as though it were their own. It's time to increase pride in renting and a relationship between landlord government, and occupant. The medical care industry is largely ran by pharmaceutical companies. People are sold lifelong prescriptions. These prescriptions, in many cases, 
can be replaced with lifestyle changes and exercise. We, as a culture, will benefit once a notion of customer is removed from the medical care industry. With time, the stigmas in this area will shift more towards healing patients. There is a time and a place for holistic and modern medicine. With a fresh set of eyes, these two systems can work together in a constructive rather than destructive manner. Medical professionals of today have begun to explore the question, how can modern science restore a balance between healers and the healed within the medical industry? United States criminal justice. To put these two words together pains me. The American justice system, similar to the medical industry, is motivated through creation of revenue rather than solving a problem. Private prisons exist in the United States. This means business entities profit from those who are designated a criminal. The current criminal justice system represents the opposite of justice. Through privatized prisons, the United States allows modern slavery to generate revenue. How can this be? If thoughts of slavery in the past are disturbing, be reminded slavery continues today. Privatized prisons are an example of modern slavery. They profit from increased recidivism, from encouragement of criminal behavior. Why does this continue? A nine to five workday structure represents an unhealthy business model for employers and employees. To ask a person to sit at a desk and put their personal life on hold for 40 hours a week is silly. Few employees are productive during the entire 40 hours while on the clock. On average, a nine to five worker is productive three to four hours a day, likely less than half of the workday is spent on productivity. The rest of their time is spent on mindless activities and counterproductive practices. This meta, nine to five workday, also leaves little time for home and life balance. In the end, both employer and employee lose. Okay, that is the paradigm question. Uh, number five, how do you aim to shift paradigms of thought which paradigms are they? I was happy to receive this question. It was a bit difficult to answer. How do I intend to change paradigms? That's a big question. And what paradigms are they? I was grateful for this brain teaser sent in from a listener. I needed to dedicate time to answer this question, to sit down and really think, okay, what are the top few paradigms of modern culture I disagree with and hope to change and will put into action some sort of change by speaking about them. That's where action begins, is talking about it, bringing up the idea, paradigms could use a peek. The internet is now a household item. Generations are growing up with abilities not allowed in the past. There's a freedom of knowledge movement currently going on right now. And with that, in some ways is a bit of overwhelm. To fight this overwhelm, <laughs> I create lists. <laughs> 
And now I have a pink zone tangible item, some sort of list that I can hand someone and say, hey, these are the paradigms that are important to me. This is why they're a bit funky. And this is something that may help them. I encourage listeners to do the same. This activity was soothing in some ways. My thoughts were organized once I was done with the activity. At the beginning, when I was asked the question, my thoughts were rampant. Oh, which paradigm? Well, criminal justice and education and housing and uh, vegetarian food, care for seniors, care for children. I mean, clean water, it goes on and on and on. But now that I've narrowed it down, I'm able to take action. I'm able to speak about specific paradigms with conscious communication. Through the listener's question, I was gifted a little bag of seeds, (laughs) a little mind seeds. (laughs) And I am curious what other people think in terms of shifting paradigms. What paradigms beyond these or extra tidbits about these are important on an individual basis? And that is number five. How do you aim to shift paradigms of thought? Which paradigms are they? Number six, why do you pick on people and read emails on the air? (laughs) After experimentation and thought towards the question, how can we represent conscious communication? The idea to share real life business communications surfaced. The 3H2 Humans Mastermind Symposium of Infinite Possibility is centered around real-world communication strategies. It seems logical to use real conversations between humans as an example. Number six, why do I read emails on the air? I do this to display factual communications. As my dad says, you can't make this shit up. (laughs) That's another reason why I use emails, because I wouldn't be able to make up things that worked as well as nature. This is real nature. This is the difference between going to a zoo and seeing an animal in the wild. I believe much of the university textbooks and packaged information and all that kind of crap about communication is like a caged animal. People know they're being studied. For example, speakers. Yes, Mustachio points out. (laughs) A couple episodes ago, we talked about Ray Donovan, the uh, TV show, and how there was a motivational speaker who whose behavior contradicted their actions. Many people live this way. There's a front of some sort of perfect person when in day-to-day life, the person is a disaster. (laughs) But it's easy to polish up a podcast, produce a video, have some sort of stagnant representation of the self, rather than an organic representation of the self, a today, a right now pictorial of how that person behaves as opposed to 
a glorious story 10 years ago. Because that person is no longer that person from 10 years ago. Consciously and molecularly, that person's different. It's important to recognize these differences. The past and the present are not the same. As a caged animal is not the same as an animal in the wild. They behave differently and so too do humans. I encourage people, pay attention. (laughs) Offer conscious communication to people. Ask questions about does my behavior on a day-to-day basis represent the persona that I project out into society? So in other words, is the person <laughs> is the person genuine? Is there authenticity? Conscious communication reveals levels of authenticity. Through this radio show, we hope to teach conscious communication through authentic interactions with humans in the present day. Easy, simple. (laughs) That's number six. Why do you pick on people and read emails on the air? Number seven. What are pish posh words? Is there a glossary of terms? Pish posh words are words which deserve conscious focus when spoke and heard. Pish posh words are words which deserve conscious attention. These words are common, familiar, everyday words. Due to the familiarity of these words, selection of when to use them is in the hands of subconscious processing, autopilot. Our objective is to turn off autopilot and teach a conscious selection of these words. Currently, there is not a glossary of the 3H2 terms available to the public. Due to this question, we will begin to construct and organize vocabulary words on the website. Great suggestion. Thank you. Keep them coming. (laughs) Due to this question, we will begin to construct and organize vocabulary words on the website. Great suggestion. Thank you. Keep them coming. (laughs) Many people will benefit from a glossary or vocabulary sheet of terms on the website. Number seven, what are pish posh words? Is there a glossary of terms? I've been asked this a few times. It's a logical question and a helpful one. It's going to take time and effort to construct it and put it up on the website. When measured out, it will be worth its weight in time. Rather than its weight in gold and skrilla and bills, It's worth its weight in time. By creating a glossary or a vocabulary sheet, someone who's unfamiliar with a concept can look it up and have access to the foundational components behind the word. I'm a big fan of dictionaries. (laughs) I enjoy looking up words. I will often look up the same word several times Uh, Relating back to what we were talking about earlier with the body changing, the mind changing, consciousness changing. We are rapidly changing organisms. The way I viewed a word and ingested, reflected, and modified that word two years ago is going to be different 
than how I ingest, reflect, and modify that word today. Glossaries are a helpful pink zone, tangible item. If a person skimmed through the vocabulary list, they would likely grasp a surface level understanding of what is going on here at 3H2. <laughs> uh, great suggestion. Thank you. And uh, thank you to the handful of people who, <laughs> in a compassionate way, said, hey, uh, there's all this jargon, all these terms I don't know. How am I able to learn what they are? And um, we are in the process of correcting this complication. <laughs> that is number seven. What are pish posh words? Is there a glossary of terms? Number eight. Can I notify 3H2 of an upcoming local event? Yes. We are interested in Spokane and surrounding events. Send an email with event info to include date, time, location, host, cost, and basic summary of the event. In Futureland, we will include a local event section in the newsletter. Recently, we have attended the Highland Games and VegFest. We also review and investigate new and on the low businesses such as Gamers Arcade Bar and Ali's Vegan Pizza. Okay, number eight, can I notify 3H2 of an upcoming local event? Yes, it was through word of mouth that I found out both about the VegFest and the Highland Games. Both of those events were a blast, especially the Highland Games. <laughs> That's an event that is right up my alley. The people competing in the event display present moment awareness. They're throwing heavy weights in the air and forking over bales of hay, shot putting. They're doing activities which require present moment attention. As well, it's a pink zone tangible measure of strength rather than those guys sitting around drinking beers, talking about how strong they are and how awesome and athletic and all this stuff. And, oh, five years ago, I used to do this and two years ago that. And no, these people are competing right now, <laughs> working towards physical strength and optimization through a competition. Vibe that I got from many of the competitors was that they were competing against themselves. The camaraderie I saw was soothing. I felt soothed to watch these big strong guys all standing around a weight toss. I don't know what it's called, but it's kind of like a, a kettlebell, but there's a almost like a, a handle that moves, not stagnant and rigid like a kettlebell. There's some movement and flexibility, like a piece of metal. Yes, Mustachio points out, similar to in a gym, where workout machines have the clicking on and handle the... <laughs> the handles that do the thing and the stuff with the, with the people. <laughs> the handles, they move. Mustachio's mm. <laughs> moving his arms around, showing me what it is. It's hilarious. <laughs> okay. 
these competitors, they get this kettlebell. In one case, it was, I believe, 56 pounds. That's a, that's a heavy weight. And then they throw it with one arm above their head, and there's a bar that measures. And the weight needs to go over the bar. If the weight goes over the bar, the competitor continues on to the next round. If the weight doesn't make it over the bar, then the competitor is eliminated. And there are specifics on how many times they go and, uh, but the basic gist of the exercise is throw the kettlebell up in the air to a certain point. And I was watching the amateur men's competition and there was one guy that (laughs) stuck out like a sore thumb. reminded me of me. Uh, The majority of the men were in kilts and specific outfits and things catered towards the event. And this one other gentleman was wearing basketball gear, Nike stuff, not not a kilt, uh, modern clothing. And as he was competing, the people around him were helping him cheering him on, encouraging him, giving him pointers. It was, uh, it's like in my head, I see it as a bunch of people wanting to climb over a wall. If everyone works together, then they can all make it over eventually, somehow, some way. If they band together, success will be had. In contrast to other types of events I've seen where Uh, Football, for example, people are intentionally trying to injure each other or hurting each other in, in some sort of way. This vibe was opposite. It was compassionate and encouraging. Uh, really neat to just see these big ass dudes, just giant teddy bears, (laughs) encouraging each other. And especially because I get beat up in the in the mental world as we're going to explore down the road it's uh i'm like that one guy but in a football game with no pads <laughs> and i want to be a competitor more like a competitor at the highland games someone who is competing against themselves that's what i'm doing i compete against myself not against anybody else I will compare and gauge and investigate how my style compares to other people, but it's not going to determine my success or failure. That is determined by me. That is inside. That is not outside. It gave me hope as I sat there in the sun. Oh, yeah, that was where I got my first coat of sun. <laughs> Just sitting on the benches watching warriors compete. It was fun. I do plan to go next year. I experienced a bit of sensory overload. It was my first time. I like to do a perimeter check. I have very many, but I have a handful of OCD things I like to do when I go to a new event. And uh, I'm excited to explore this event next year when I have a better understanding of the logistics of where things are laid out and what the competition is. And by then, I do hope to participate in more events 
with the type of camaraderie I saw. In Futureland, <laughs> we do hope to have some sort of a event that combines Highland Games with VegFest. Some sort of self-improvement, critical thinking, health, happiness, and humble event, but with competitions, with people who have some sort of yearly way to measure their growth. And that's how it will be geared towards. Not people competing against each other, but people competing with each other. People helping each other climb over that wall. Let's get over that wall and do some amazing things. It all begins on an individual basis. The individuals who organize the events. Um, and we appreciate people who organize events. A lot of work goes into it. If we can help spread the word of a couple of events or businesses or things like that, we would definitely like to uh, participate. Let us know. That's number eight. Can I notify 3H2 of an upcoming local event? Number nine, why are some names anonymous and others given on air? Mustachio and I ponder with care each item in the announcements. Sometimes we voice a person's name, a company name, and other specific details towards an interaction. Other times, we remain ambiguous and use words such as a person or the company I dealt with. Below is an explanation of each use and why it is used. Specific. When a person is in the public eye or claims a position of leadership. To remove a veil of ambiguity when explaining others' perspective. If irritated <laughs> with someone and desire an outlet for social justice. To give an example of real life conscious communication or lack thereof. Those are the specific categories and the general. When a person is a private citizen or does not claim a leadership role, to create a veil of ambiguity when explaining another's perspective, respect with someone who desires to remain anonymous, to give an example of real life conscious communication or lack thereof. Many people remain silent with a person's name or entity name when feedback is discussed. Anonymity is a concept often created by the speaker through lack of detail. Far too often, people are general, yellow zone, with life situations. Learning is amplified when ambiguous and embellished concepts can be explored firsthand. We at 3H2 Humans take a specific approach to the majority of communications discussed. This allows a third party to investigate on their own. To grasp a vague concept is difficult. Specific details help with the learning process, as well as hold people and entities accountable for behavior. Which type of information exchange is more common within the environment, general or specific? Example, this person hates backstories. This is too vague to allow for pink zone understanding of the situation addressed. In contrast, 
Leonardo from 3H2Humans Hates Backstories is specific enough to reach a pink zone understanding. All parties who hear this phrase can visualize the same basic scenario when specific information has been offered. Additionally, a third party is able to conduct their own research when anonymity is removed. Example, Melinda lost her job at Safeway because she ate produce without paying for it first. This is an instance where a sprinkle of ambiguity will keep a friend's specific details out of the public eye. A pink zone understanding can be reached with the details removed. Instead, my friend lost her job because she ate produce before paying for it. This version gets the point across without damage to future hiring potential for the friend. This is number nine. Why are some names anonymous and others given on air? This is a question Mustachio and I have pondered and have a part of our masterminding sessions as a center piece of focus. When are we going to be general with someone's information? When are we going to have that veil of ambiguity? And when are we going to be specific? When are we going to give people's names, the communications, these types of things? And <laughs> with most things in life, in order for me to understand my thoughts, I devise a system. And through masterminding, the system for when to say someone's name and when not to say someone's name falls under two categories of specific, the person's name, and then general, an ambiguous representation of who the person is. Listen to these and compare and contrast them. And is there an agreement with how we have decided when to be anonymous and when not to? Feedback is appreciated. <laughs> Specific. When a person is in the public eye or claims a position of leadership. To remove a veil of ambiguity when explaining another's perspective. If irritated with someone and desire an outlet for social justice. To give an example of real life conscious communication or lack thereof. And then for general, when a person is a private citizen and does not claim a leadership role. To create a veil of ambiguity when explaining another's perspective. Respect for someone who desires to remain anonymous. To give an example of real life conscious communication or lack thereof. The common denominator, if this was condensed in the take home messages, that if someone claims to be a leader and tells people what to do and all that stuff, I think they're fair game. If someone gives me feedback or is a part of a story or something like that and just wants to remain general, I will often respect that request. But if someone in a leadership position who tells people what to do and calls himself a life coach or any of that stuff, I, mm, I think the person who's going to ask for something like that is going to lack authenticity. And it's okay for private citizens to lack authenticity, but I don't think it's okay for leaders to lack authenticity. 
in those situations, I want to investigate it. I want to find out why does this person preach authenticity yet does not display authenticity with action. That is number nine. Why are some names anonymous and others given on air? Big number 10. Why do you have two recordings per show? Information is alive. It's alive. It changes and evolves as humans do. Due to knowledge of the ever-changing nature of information, we decided to base episodes off of two different perspectives. One of the perspectives is from the past and the other is from the future. Two perspectives from one person, you say? How can this be? (laughs) Time. Time is a worthy factor to consider when analyzation of a concept takes place. What is the contextual constructionism of the information? How do factors of time current cultural beliefs and a pre <laughs> how do factors of time current cultural beliefs and preconceived notions alter information is information stagnant a goal of this show is to break down complex issues into easy to digest pieces this is one of the reasons why we do 10 lists Issues have an infinite number of points, solutions, or thought seeds. To break down the infinite into 10 helps people chew a complex subject into bite-sized pieces. The interview format tends to go off topic with stories and long drawn out opinions rather than concise thought seeds with examples. Give us feedback. What is thought of the two-part past and present format? Number 10, why do you have two recordings per show? This question, when I view it in my head, I'm a visual thinker. I think in terms of pictures and equations and all kinds of things. For this, I see an onion. And the reason why we do two shows has many different answers. The core of it is to present the past and the present, to say, In 2014, this is how we thought and felt about these issues. And here in 2016, this is how we think and feel about these issues. We are in the information era. Each industry has uh, immeasurable advances. Each day, each day advances are being made. I would like to consider this in my thinking and I encourage other people to do the same, to think of past versions of the self and current versions of the self as different entities. The person is the same, but when measured in terms of consciousness and on a molecular level, those two people are different. This is an artful way to display this uh, idea of different people and the changing nature of information. Also, Uh, Mustachio and I workshopped about creativity and the genuine component of creativity, how other people's opinions change the equation. Whether or not I want what someone else says to affect me, it's going to. It's 
It's a new variable. The neurons in my brain change with each encounter that I have. I knew back then when the recording started, my thoughts were pure. The website was very plain. Uh, I didn't interact with the public. I was able to do my own thing. Now, season two, this is with public involvement. Season one, not very much. And now we are crawling out of the woodwork. (laughs) And um, the sun feels good. (laughs) And that is number 10. Why do you have two recordings per show? This has been the 10 list for questions, comments, and answers of season two. The list one more time. Number one, is 3H2Humans set up to generate revenue? Number two, who is your target audience? Number three, what is conscious communication? Number four, explain details of cognitive tarot. Number five, how do you aim to shift paradigms of thought? Which paradigms are they? Number six, why do you pick on people and read emails on the air? Number seven, what are pishposh words? Is there a glossary of terms? Number eight, can I notify 3H2 of an upcoming local event? Number nine, why are some names anonymous and others given on air? Number 10, Why do you have two recordings per show? That is the 10 list. (laughs) Questions, comments, and answers. Answers, answers, the roads, the roads. All roads lead to positivity here at 3H2. (laughs) Next up, we have five lists. The first five list is Leading Lady TV. These shows are shows I have been watching recently. They are relatively new and feature a leading lady, a woman in charge, and a woman in one way or another I identify with. That's another part of the leading lady list. These women characters inspire me in many ways and similar to that gentleman who stuck out like a sore thumb at the Scottish games I am comforted and can relate to these leading ladies in many ways number one halt and catch fire 2014 number two Jessica Jones 2015 number three Being Mary Jane, 2013. Number four, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, 2015. And number five, Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23. That is from 2012. Starting off with number one, Halt and Catch Fire. I heard about this show, I believe, on the Tim Ferriss show. He had a guest and he asked him what TV shows he likes. And I, I, it's so weird. I remember where I was when I was jogging and the conviction that the person had. 
towards this show. Uh, he, I believe he had a, a tech background in the Silicon Valley and Halton Catch Fire is a throwback series uh, similar to Silicon Valley. It's got that entrepreneurship, tech kind of doing their own thing, unique perspective. And that little tidbit offered me encouragement to continue to do these five lists, to pay it forward, to be a positive domino in the domino chain. And Halt and Catch Fire, leading lady or not, this show is awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. (laughs) And part of it is its authenticity. The leading lady is portrayed similar to the way I view myself (laughs) as a businesswoman. And part of the leading lady's structure is equality within her business. And she kind of grapples with when does she need to put her foot down and be a leader? And when can everyone just have fun and enjoy things? I also like the costumes and the acting, the behind the scenes, in front of the scenes. Uh, This is a well-written, produced, all that. Great show in terms of authenticity. The leading lady wears comfortable clothes, shoes she can walk in, things that I imagine a starting entrepreneur would wear rather than a woman slaving away in a cocktail dress with her chest hanging out. Like, I don't think that that's real. (laughs) I do like the authenticity and accuracy of this show. Halt and Catch Fire. Number two, Jessica Jones, 2015. I was in the mood for a leading lady show, and I flipped through Netflix and saw Jessica Jones and was a bit intrigued. I thought, okay, it's a woman who's like a detective and it's a part of Marvel Comics, so this will be pretty interesting. And I enjoyed this show right away. It seems to be authentic with its actions and acting and those things. It's uh, many action shows are just over the top explosions and fights and just constant and ugh, it's too much. Jessica Jones balances action with story in a pleasing way. Similar to Halt and Catch Fire and the other leading ladies on this list, I can relate to Jessica Jones. She is a bit of a recluse, kind of does her own thing, and she listens to her music with one earbud out. That's a tiny detail that I believe speaks magnitude. Few people do this, and this is something I do. I have one ear to where I can hear what's going around me. The people who have like the Beats by Dre and their whole head covered, that is not comfortable for me. I want to hear what's going on around me. And Jessica Jones does too. (laughs) There are little things like this I recognized in the show. And what that tells me is the writers and the people behind the show pay attention to these types of things and have a similar thought process as me. That is Jessica Jones, number two. 
Number three, Being Mary Jane. This show caught my eye because the leading lady is the host of a show. It's a TV show, a little different than a radio show, but she too is a bit of a loner, (laughs) kind of does her own thing, and is passionate about her show. That's her life. I like how she displays a mindset and a, a character portrayal of how I view successful people. Successful people have problems (laughs) and challenges and present moment awareness. When her family has problems, she drops whatever she's doing and helps her family. When her business needs her, she drops what she's doing and does the business. I uh, heard on a podcast the other day, a speaker said that when he calls his friends who make $33,000 a year, they don't answer the phone and they say they're too busy. But when he calls his millionaire friend, he answers every time. (laughs) So how is that? How is the millionaire the one that has free time to answer the phone and engage in present moment awareness, yet the person who makes $33,000 is too busy? and is unable to offer attention towards present moment awareness. That was the conclusion I came to with all that, mixing up all those variables in a, in a crock pot. That's what came out. <laughs> is present moment awareness. That is a common denominator of famous people, successful people, millionaires. People in that bucket pay attention to right now. They're not talking about their glory days 10 years ago. They're talking about their glory days today. And then when they wake up tomorrow, it will be today. It's today. And being Mary Jane (laughs) displays a leading lady who lives in today. It's a bit over-dramatized. And um, uh, I do believe there's a new season coming out. It's still an active show, which I'm excited about. And I do hope the show takes a bit more of a turn towards authenticity. Let us as common people know what is it like to host a TV show? What goes on behind the scenes? How much creative control is there? Similar to Newsroom, I like how this show peeks into the behind the scenes, but I would like to see a bit more. And that is number three, being Mary Jane. Number four, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I was reluctant to check out this show because the marketing is aimed at other people than myself. Like the over the top, goofy, um, all that stuff is not quite my genre. But for some reason, I thought the leading lady, Kimmy Schmidt, was on Star Talk Radio. I haven't been able to confirm this or if I mixed up variables or something, but there was a link between StarTalk Radio and me being willing to check out Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. And I am glad I did. (laughs) I had stereotyped it as a show I didn't want to see. The landlady, she is irritatingly over the top, just constant one-liners, and she could be toned down a little bit, but the other characters, their over-the-topness fits in. I was amazed. It is a well-choreographed show. Each 
person's little bubble of crazy mixes well with the other people's bubble of crazy. <laughs> and perhaps that's why I relate to Kimmy Schmidt. I'm happiest when my little bubble of crazy mixes well with other people's little bubbles of crazy. It's a part of authenticity is being crazy, being genuine, putting a true representation of oneself forward. And Kimmy is genuine in a lot of ways. I relate to Kimmy's character as she was in a bunker for 15 years or 10 years or something like that, a bunch of time in a bunker. And now she is reemerging into the world in New York City. And she has no idea about what has been going on in the last decade. In many ways, that's how I feel. <laughs> that I've been in my own little mental bunker for the last 10 years. I don't engage in social media. I don't engage myself with mass media and pop culture. I just kind of keep to myself. I stay in my little bunker. Now I am emerging into the world and so is Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> I really enjoy the opening song. At first, I didn't like it at all. It irritated me. And now it gets stuck in my head. Unbreakable. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Titus's character, oh wow, I laugh out loud several times. His facial expressions and mannerisms are hilarious. Oh, my favorite episode is the one about Pinot Noir. <laughs> and he makes a music video, it's hilarious. <laughs> He talks about how it's not the lyrics of a song that are important, but the name of it and the catchiness, that's what makes a great song. So it's, uh, it's neat. He's a part of Kimmy's crazy bubble interaction. She benefits from having Titus as a friend, and I benefit from having my crazy friends that are authentically themselves. I respect that in people. And that is number four, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Number five, Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23. This was another show I had negatively stereotyped, yet overcame my preconceived notions and checked the show out. And it is awesome. <laughs> this one, similar to Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, the marketing wasn't really towards me. The ads that I've been looking at since I first saw the show on Netflix for Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23 was of a woman standing outside an apartment with like whipped cream on herself. I was just like, oh, this is a, a teen drama or some crap that I am not interested in. Come to find out, it was so different than how I had stereotyped it. My favorite episode is called Sexy People. <laughs> this episode is awesome. I recommend people start here. Start at, I think it's season two, episode three, Sexy People. It's about how the leading lady wants to get James Vanderbeek on the cover of People magazine as the sexiest man alive. And what she does in order 
to make that happen. Oh, we were earlier talking about paradigms and cultural constructionism. This episode is an accurate portrayal of how I view current culture. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and the leading lady in apartment 23, how she has a famous friend who is James Vanderbeek and it's him playing himself, but dramatized. It's neat to see that interaction where famous people are just people too. And that web. Most famous people have that crazy person in their pocket that gets the weird stuff done. (laughs) Like the leading lady. (laughs) And the sexy people episode. That is probably one of my top 10 favorite episodes of all time. And that is Don't Trust the Bitch in Apartment 23. This is the five list for Leading Lady TV. Number one, Halt and Catch Fire. Number two, Jessica Jones. Number three, Being Mary Jane. Number four, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. And number five, Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23. Next up, we have a five list. This one is a little bit different than the usual. One of the subjects we cover in five lists is mentoring and lessons learned from mentors, ideas from them, those types of things. For this five list, it is on the subject of mentoring a recommendation of topics for fellow podcaster Michelle Dutro of the Game Changer podcast to explore. The motivation behind this five list is episode number 87, released on August 10th of 2015 from the Game Changer podcast, and it is called How to Tell Good Advice from Crazy. (laughs) Her episode, number 87, How to Tell Good Advice from Crazy, was motivated by my email to her about the review that I left in iTunes with three well-dones and three suggestions. Her interpretation of the feedback I gave her is viewed at an opposite end of the continuum than how I view them. I'm curious what a mentor would tell her. Because, you know, like the old saying goes, there's his story, her story, and the truth. That's what I want to know. She gave her story on episode 87. I am giving my story in episode four. Where is the truth? Where does an objective reality lay? What would her mentors say to Michelle if they workshopped these following questions? They are, number one, mastermind the concepts, unsolicited, bully, and entrepreneur. Number two, does Michelle treat people with love and respect as preached on her show? Number three, what happens to the vibe of a chat when a subject is centered on hate? Number four, what is an individual perspective? Number five, are Michelle's stories over-dramatized to a point of falsehood? 
So those are the questions and I'm going to give my tidbit on each of these as it relates to episode number seven. And it would be neat to hear what Michelle Dutro's mentors think. Uh, she does like a little mentoring group. I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious. Where is reality? <laughs> Here we go. Buckle in. <laughs> There appears to be a yellow zone disconnect, a misunderstanding towards the meaning of several words and concepts between me, Leonardo, and fellow podcaster, Michelle Dutro of the Game Changer podcast. We will explore word meaning and perhaps a layer deeper action behind a word. The objective of this exercise is to achieve pink zone tangibility to achieve a shared understanding towards the meaning behind words spoke. Words spoke reveal surface issues and feelings. 3H2Humans goes a step further. We examine life through a lens of conscious communication. Number one, mastermind the concepts unsolicited, bully, and entrepreneur. To begin, the following terms will be defined by Webster's Dictionary. Unsolicited, not solicited, not asked for, synonyms, unsought, unwelcome. Example, the crazy advice given to Michelle was unsolicited even though she requests honest feedback. (laughs) Entrepreneur, one who organizes and assumes the risk of a business or enterprise. Example, I'm not an entrepreneur. I don't talk about entrepreneurship on my podcast. Bully, a person habitually cruel to others who are weaker. Synonyms, hoodlum, intimidator, negative Nancy. Example, this person needs to prove they are worthy before I will listen to their perspective. In episode number 87, the host of the Game Changer podcast bullies a well-intended fan who offered an honest and genuine review as requested by the host of the show. Three perspectives presented by Michelle on her podcast are number one, the advice given to her by 3H2Humans was unsolicited. Number two, the Game Changer podcast was wrongly categorized under entrepreneur. And number three, People need to be validated as worthy before they may speak their mind with Michelle. After listening to her show, I believe these points to be a part of her reality at the time of recording. My reality is different with regard to these three points. This is why we are stuck in the yellow zone. We view these concepts from such a drastically different perspective and objective reality becomes a distant concept. My reality is as follows. Number one, Michelle requests or solicits honest feedback for her show on a regular basis. Thus, the review posted by 3H2Humans was indeed solicited. She welcomes honest feedback towards her show. She wants to hear what listeners think of her show, or does she? Number two, the Game Changer podcast is an organized enterprise, thus it deals with entrepreneurship. In addition to the podcast, 
Michelle claims to be a life coach. If responsibility towards her podcast and coaching business are not in her own hands, who is the entrepreneur behind these organized ventures? Number three, what happened to a constitutional right to freedom of speech? A request for a person to prove worthiness to speak is something a bully would do. Bullies attempt to belittle people for being their authentic self. When Michelle was confused by the review left by 3H2Humans, she opted to take the low road and bully a well-intended fan of her show. Michelle is in a position of power over Leonardo. She is older, has more credentials, more podcast reviews, more podcast episodes, and holds other social status validations of power when compared to 3H2Humans. She is the socially superior one. With this being the case, why did she attack as opposed to request, tell me more? That is number one, mastermind the concepts, unsolicited, bully, and entrepreneur. Michelle defined these words differently than I do. (laughs) Number two, does Michelle treat people with love and respect as preached on her show? In order to validate a speaker, what is needed? What levels of internal and external validation need to be satisfied in order to offer an unknown person conscious attention? Do degrees, past experience, number of Twitter followers, or age qualify a person to speak freely? How about passion, clarity of a message, authenticity? Are these included when worthiness is quantified? Question. Who does the legwork needed to validate another person's point of view? Is the footwork conducted via someone else, external validation, or through one's own validation criteria, internal validation? So this is number two. Does Michelle treat people with love and respect as preached on her show? Earlier on this show, we talked about how sometimes life coaches stand up on stage and say, you should do this you need to do that when you this you that you i mean it's just all a bunch of use okay what about the i part what does that individual do that's what i'm curious about and this individual seems to preach love and respect and compassion and a platform to give different people a voice and people to share their stories and be a part of something but then what's the criteria i didn't fit the mold for that i wasn't welcomed into the game changer fan club i got denied my card got cut up and i got kicked out of there (laughs) why why do some people deserve love and respect and other people don't how is that measured i'm curious That's number two. Does Michelle treat people with love and respect as preached on her show? Number three. What happens to the vibe of a chat when a subject is centered on hate? Rather than view an opinion through a lens of hate, explore intent from a positive state of mind. Humans at their core, within the soul, desire to spread compassion. We humans are pack animals who benefit from one another as we strive to live a life of health and happiness with a humble perspective. It appears Michelle does not take an intelligent, 
humble approach to criticism as I have trained myself to do. The majority of my actions since childhood have been criticized and questioned. Over the last few years, I've learned how to use criticism to my advantage and learn from it. To truly ingest and respect another person's opinion as opposed to getting angry is a skill. I believe everyone loses when hate is part of an equation. When confused by unpredictable behavior, imagine infinite possibilities. If a negative thought or emotion surfaces, visualize its opposite. If a viewpoint of hates backstories pops into conscious thought, flip it with love's actionable information. Where there is hate, so too exists love. We as individuals choose what we will into life. I choose love. What do you choose, Michelle? This is number three, what happens to the vibe of a chat when the subject is about hate. It's uh, a crazy behavioral thing. We as humans get to choose what we talk about. She could have had that podcast episode centered around how I like actionable items and tips and tricks and other things. I love actionable items. That was what I portrayed to her. She turned that into me hating backstories. This is a strange phenomenon that occurs in communication. It's not just Michelle, it's many people do this. And this is a result of subconscious processing. She's having difficulty communicating between the subconscious processing of information and her conscious feelings about that information. I speculate she's used to people just patting her on the back and confirming what she believes. I imagine maybe once a year (laughs) she runs into someone like me who questions what she's doing, has her question herself and move her mind to an uncomfortable place of what needs to be addressed rather than confirmation of success. And what do I mean by that is I gave her a critical review. The majority of her reviews are five stars, great job. Five stars, love the episode. No, I didn't read every single one, but I scanned them and mine was the only one with constructive criticism. And that's difficult for people who don't receive it very often. I receive it frequently. I've got thick skin. I can handle it. And one of my ways of handling it is focusing on love. If someone tells me they hate something, I ask them what they love. Or I I flip it. I, I change things. Number four, what is an individual perspective? Are people entitled to have their own unique ideas, thoughts, and challenges? Hypothetically, imagine a person who views the standard interview format of stories from the past as predictable and lacking of present moment awareness. This person suggests an alternative focus of, and I quote, guide interviews towards productive action-based topics, minimize past stories. How would this individual be approached? Also suppose this person is neuroatypical. Their brain is wired differently than a typical human. To request a backstory 
is similar to requesting the entire inventory of a person's house. Rather than Michelle's speculation of a backstory lacking, there is too much of a backstory. The thought of condensing a lifetime of experiences into a few sentences causes anxiety. How to choose what is important? Where to begin? A listener does not need to know a speaker's backstory in order to understand a statement from them. When statements are viewed from others objectively, devoid of emotion, ability to ingest the information becomes possible. I disagree with Michelle. I don't think a person needs to know about me in order to ingest my perspective. Her thought pattern of perceived external validation hinders pink zone tangibility. People are not moods or mindsets, but rather experience them in a fleeting fashion. Each thought is essentially its own entity. How can a person be viewed in the present if they are measured by the past? I encourage listeners to fully examine a speaker's meta, ingest multiple shows or multiple formats before a solid conclusion is reached with regard to their intent or character. Michelle Dutro states, a game changer is someone who is willing to look different, act different, and swim in their own direction. This show will inspire you to be a game changer today. 3H2Humans hopes to be a game changer with interviews. What game do you hope to change, Michelle? Tell me more. That is number four, what is an individual perspective? This is at the core of our miscommunication and many miscommunications is a lack of understanding of what an individual perspective is. It's different than an opinion, a certain characteristic. There are many other things that get labeled a perspective, but they're not. So this concept is a bit muddied. It may be worth throwing on the next list of pish posh words, but for now, explore. What is an individual perspective and who is entitled to have an individual perspective? <laughs> individual perspectives are what is beautiful about being human, about existing in modern times, and we talked about earlier, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, how each character is their own little crazy bubble of individual perspective. And that's okay. Let's appreciate each other's individual nature and let our little crazy bubbles bounce around and have fun. That's what life's about, enjoyment. Number five, are Michelle's stories over-dramatized to a point of falsehood? Listen to number 87. How to tell good advice from crazy. What is heard? Does the speaker in question offer a how-to guide for helpful advice? Or is it a negative, dramatized, false portrayal of an anonymous person heard? Why was the person presented as anonymous when their identity was known by Michelle and made public on several formats? Perhaps Michelle kept the identity of the reviewer as anonymous to protect herself from her over-the-top dramatization of information presented. 
Had 3H2 humans been identified on her show, the listeners would be able to look into the matter on their own. The people would be able to investigate the situation through internal validation and reach an opinion of the situation on their own. In contrast, Michelle kept the person's identity a secret, which allows her to act as the judge, jury, and executioner. She takes a because-I-said-so approach by presenting a story which fits her agenda and insecurities. The majority of the show was a story based off the phrase, hates backstories. The phrase came from minimize past stories. The review in question contained six items. Why was a false perspective of hates backstories the focus of Michelle's number 87 show. Why did she feel a need to put such a negative spin on this story? A story of a fan who offered six thought seeds intended to promote self-evolution. And that's number five. Are Michelle's stories over-dramatized to a point of falsehood? This is a common problem in communication. I'm picking on Michelle. because she bullied me and I uh, don't take kindly to bullying behavior. So we are going to use this as an example of how things snowball out of control is through over-dramatization. If something is being over-dramatized, oftentimes there's a subconscious disconnect. There's some inner conflict with the past and the present. That was the problem Michelle had. The information I gave her was so left field, it was not ingested. (laughs) Which I understand. Some of the 3H2 human stuff is a little, uh, little out there. But observe her behavior, my behavior, and decide. Was there an over-dramatization? And what do over-dramatizations do to information? Oftentimes, they turn it false. And yellow zone. That is number five. Are stories told by Michelle over-dramatized to a point of falsehood? And that is the five list. Michelle Dutro Mentro. Mentro. (laughs) Michelle Dutro Mentor Concepts to Explore. Wow, that is a tongue twister. That could be like a, you know, the people of um, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt could do like an auto-tune video for that. It's, it's a tongue twister. Number one, mastermind the concepts, unsolicited bully and entrepreneur. Number two, does Michelle treat people with love and respect as preached on her show? Number three, what happens to the vibe of a chat when a subject is centered on hate? Number four, What is an individual perspective? And number five, are Michelle's stories over-dramatized to a point of falsehood? Next up, we have the announcements. Mustache and I talked about splicing in the original 10 list from season one into this episode, but we decided not to. We're going to have them be freestanding episodes, but we do encourage uh, listeners, new and old, to check out the question and answer show from the first season. Here are the 10 questions we go over in that episode from July 10th of 2015. Number one, 
What is the difference between pink zone and yellow zone realities? What effect do these mindsets have on a conversation? Number two, be specific. The layout and content of your show is too broad, making it confusing. I feel like my interests are being jerked around. Number three, the name Mastermind Symposium of Infinite Possibility is very long-winded, and interestingly enough, I think it's a conflict of concept with one of your three main tenant principles, specifically humility. Number four, as a listener, I need to know who you two are, why you are qualified to speak about whatever it is you are speaking about, and why I should care. Number five, this shit is over my head. Why is it so confusing? Can you dumb it down for the rest of us? Number six, what is a pish posh word? How many of them are there? Number seven, what are three strategies people can use to break down information? Number eight, why do you avoid the subject of curse words as part of your teachings? They are a linguistical shortcut. Number nine, what does the name 3H2Humans mean? And number 10, I hear you mention explicit learning. What does it mean? Those are the 10 list questions from season one. Give them a look of the ear. Next, we have podcast feedback update. (laughs) This was an experiment. Wow, it did not go the way I expected. The fact that it didn't go as I expected offers me validation. Because if I expected something to happen, set up an experiment, and it happened exactly the way I predicted it, uh, that's not science. I, I don't believe nature works that way. So we talked about the caged animal and the animal in nature. I'm all about watching the animal in nature. I am uh, not interested in caged experiments. This is a wild experiment. I wanted to know what would happen if I reviewed five entrepreneurship podcasters, offered them three well-dones and three suggestions, and then requested the feedback loop be completed, meaning for them to say, yes, I agree, no, I disagree, this is why. That's what I was looking for. Some sort of agree and disagree, and then a little thing on why. To date, (laughs) Jeff Agustinelli is the double platinum gold star winner (laughs) of this science experiment. He was the only one of the five to complete the feedback loop. I didn't hear anything from Trish Blackwell or Greg Clunas. So they dodged a bullet. As far as I'm concerned, they get a mulligan. I'm so over my head right now in critical thinking exercises. I'm going to let that go. (laughs) And in many ways, I congratulate them. It's a joke I have with close friends and family members that um, smart people are the ones who run from me. (laughs) And those are people that love me tell me this. (laughs) So Trish Blackwell and Greg Clunas, nice dodge. (laughs) Um, But I am 
I do remain curious of what they think of the six points. Do they agree and disagree and what their little blurb would be on those points? A lot of time and energy went into the reviews. I did a written version, an audio version, put it on the 3H2 website, and then also in iTunes. And I felt as though requesting a one to five exchange, meaning for five units of my effort, I request one unit of their effort. I think that's a a fair request, but um, the experiment proved otherwise. I theorized all five would complete the feedback loop and uh, just one did. So back to the drawing board for Mustachio and me. Podcaster feedback update. Jeff Agustinelli offered a pink zone response. The feedback loop has been completed. Jeff is a conscious, compassionate communicator. Well done, Jeff. In contrast, dialogue with Michelle Dutro continues to be in the yellow zone and pending a response. Dr. Michelle Mazur, PhD, is mid-communication. Trish Blackwell and Greg Clunas, no response. That's a kind of an example of the notes that I take, the little blurbs about the experiments that I conduct. Direct, objective, to the point, and offering me some sort of indicator of progress. I did receive a response from Dr. Michelle Mazur, PhD, to my email. This is what uh, she had said. Before I tell you what I think, know that with all feedback I get, I take it in, think about it, then discard that does not serve me. Here's what I thought. First, no clue what pishposh words are. I googled it and nothing. I'm betting it's branded language, and unless you explain branded language in a review, no one is going to get what you mean. Plus, you tell me not to use certain words, and the rebel in me is going to want to use them more. Bah-ha-ha-ha-ha. I use the word you for a very specific reason based in message processing theory. Plus, I want the show to be conversational. Structure, sure, but never tips. I abhor tips and lists. I don't want my podcast to become another public speaking tip fest. Everyone does tips and lists, but not this rebel. I do appreciate you leaving a review and showcasing the podcast. Okay, and that was from Michelle Mazor. It did have a, a, a strong opener, uh, and then it just got kind of yellow zony, pish poshy. She, okay, we'll go to my response. <laughs> Mustachio says, hey, hey, no commentary, you. <laughs> I got one of those laser beams pointing at me. All right, <laughs> I'm back on track. <laughs> and this is uh, my response to Michelle. I agree with your method towards feedback. I, too, ingest, reflect, and modify new information before a conclusion is reached. Pishposh words are words which are often selected through subconscious processing as opposed to conscious selection of a word. This means people are usually consciously unaware they are misusing these words. I specialize in conscious communication and have narrowed common problem words to a list. If interested, the list is available on the 3H2Humans website and Season 1, Episode 10 and Season 1, Episode 11 on the 3H2Humans 
radio show. The curious ones, such as yourself, will Google the phrase and follow the breadcrumb trail as desired. Her quote, plus you tell me not to use certain words and the rebel in me is going to want to use them more. Bah ha 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 ha. I find it odd that you would use a word simply because someone pointed out its weakness. Rather than a rebel, this strikes me as a childish approach to knowledge. Rebels investigate, explore, fight systems which are understood as opposed to blindly discarding information because it came from someone else. What would happen if your clients took this approach? How would they learn from you if they followed your definition of rebel behavior? And her quote, I use the word you for a very specific reason based in message processing theory. Plus, I want the show to be conversational. I looked up message processing theory and you and was unable to find justification for misusing you. Can you clarify what you were referring to? I speculate you are referring to an outdated theory of persuasion from the 80s. Somewhere in academia, a person taught others to use you in place of I as a means to entice a listener. For example, if I went to Hawaii on vacation, I would say, when you go to Hawaii, you see lots of pretty fish in the ocean. This puts the listener in the speaker's place, or so we thought back then. Similar to doctors of the past who recommended cigarettes to lose weight, doctors who prescribe a misuse of you as a means to persuade have begun to fade with time as well. Modern neuroscience has upgraded this past belief. Humans now understand the brain processes stimuli as is. The brain imagines the listener in Hawaii recognize it did not happen, then discards the notion as false. The brain is wise with calculations and will reject statements with you switched out for I. Consciously, most people are unaware of this phenomenon. Subconsciously, knowledge of this fallacy is noted. Intuition towards a speaker's credit is challenged. I don't understand how using you helps the show to be conversational. Tell me more. As far as the list goes, I feel it would help me as a listener to better understand your message if a Harvard skill set was more organized and displayed. Sometimes I get lost in your stories and I'm unsure of when actionable thoughts are relayed. The list does not have to be tips. I call them thought seeds. They are simply ideas articulated and ready to share in a tangible manner. A list helps a speaker stay focused and listener informed towards content. Just the thought to each their own. Glad to hear the review is appreciated. I hope, as a fellow podcaster, you too offer reviews and insights to our podcasting peers. We all learn and grow from each other, one interaction at a time. Enjoy the gifts of the Pacific Northwest, Leonardo. <sighs> okay, so that is the interaction with Dr. Michelle Mazer, PhD in communication. She is an example of a classically trained communication person, and I am an example of a modernly trained communication person. Our two viewpoints on communication are different. 
And as we explored earlier, it's not good or bad or right or wrong. It's an individual perspective. My focus is on conscious communication. And I think her focus is on persuasion. It's up to each person to decide where they want to be. So in my head, I have the communication with Jeff Augustinelli closed off. He's good. Probably give it like maybe a week or two more with uh, Trish Blackwell and Greg Clunas. Yeah, I am waiting to hear back from Michelle Dutro and Michelle Mazer on their standing. I mean, isn't that what all of us who podcast and who are entrepreneurs want is an explanation of what's going on in a shared reality? I think that's an objective of all of us, but who knows? All right, and that was podcast feedback update. Next up in the announcements, we have 20 pish posh words. I have received many questions about what the words are, and this is a refresher. Pay attention to how these words are used by oneself and others. They are you, can't, should, make, sorry, try, they, actually, obviously, finally, clearly, girl, impossible, regret, lonely, boredom, love, moral judgments, group distinctions, and absolutes. Those are the 20 pish-posh words. These words are oftentimes fallen down in the depths of subconscious processing. (laughs) Ungraspable by mere mortal human thought. (laughs) Rise these words from subconscious processing to conscious processing. Next is the Mystery Mind Seed poster. This show's featured poster from the first series is Infinite Possibility. The saying on the poster is, discover the army of infinite possibility. And we're going to go over what the listener feedback was. This is an example of one of the posters available in the 3H2 store that is dispersed at random. I bundle them into groups of three. I am unable to see what they are. And then I stack them up and then mail them out. It's a randomized process. It's kind of neat. When I talk to people, I ask, oh, which, which posters did you get? Oh, and, and it does seem like each person identifies with one of the three. That's what I like about randomization. It reveals hidden layers of life. This is one of those hidden layers. Pro, the photo fits the message well, and I like the color scheme of the background. I agree, many of the collages are a hodgepodge creative endeavor of blind intuition. This one is a bit more calculated than the majority in this series. And I do like the way this one looks. There's many layers to each of these posters. There's the background color, then a picture that I took, then a saying, and then on the back, there's drawings and fortunes and things like that. Discover the Army of Infinite Possibility does have a really cool picture. It's of 
a handful of trinkets during an initiation ceremony. It's uh, it's neat to see this vantage point from the trinkets perspective. For con, infinite is spelled wrong. It should be infinite. The message coupled with the photo could have a negative connotation. However, usually the phrase infinite possibility is made to sound hopeful and positive. But here the word army is used. So is infinite possibility gonna help me or just gang up on me? Kind of like in the picture. The backside, the sentiment is nice, but I would leave it to just a written message and not the drawings, except for the 3H2 frog logo and the 3H2 website info. And my comment, I agree. There are several spelling errors throughout the collages. In the early stages, I focused on authenticity. I asked, what words do I know how to spell correctly on my own? Apparently, not very many. <laughs> we seem to view the phrase, discover the army of infinite possibility on opposite ends of a continuum of thought when negative and positive feelings are measured. When I see this phrase with red rose trinkets in the background, I think of them as magical little objects of infinite potential. An army or group of individuals positioned as helpers on a journey of human experience. The trinkets, so tiny and full of potential, know not of human stereotypes and perceived limitations. For blips of time, I view the human world through the eyes of a trinket. I view life from the soul rather than ego. And it was neat to discuss with this person the different vantage points that we share. We view this from different perspectives, and that's okay. That's one of the beautiful components of the mystery mind seed posters. They bring out those little bubbles of crazy. It's new stimuli that's uh, a bit um, esoteric in its own little way. It's um, authentic. And that is discover the army of infinite possibility. Next for the announcements, California road trip mid-September. Touring the California Bay Area, September 11th through 22nd. Friends, family, listeners, contact me if in the Bay Area too. I plan to visit Oakland, San Francisco, Santa Rosa, San Jose, Santa Cruz, Roseville, and Sacramento. For the most part, I'll be in the Bay Area with little stretches north and south. Uh, Oakland and Santa Cruz. There's a special occasion going on in California, which is bringing me out there. I'm very excited, and I look forward to seeing everyone involved in the special event. (laughs) That is the California road trip mid-September. It's about a month away. I figure I can accomplish a lot in between now and then, and then take a break. So I do plan on hitting it hard for the next couple weeks and then engaging in present moment activities with other people while I'm in California and letting go of the majority of my life here in Washington. 
allowing myself that vacation mindset of unique exploration in a new area. For the local art, the feature is Dorothy Fowler. She created the Michael P. Anderson statue in Riverfront Park here in Spokane. Check out the Michael P. Anderson statue in Riverfront Park near the Spokane Convention Center and new Davenport Grand Hotel. This statue was featured on an earlier edition of the 3H2 Humans business cards and has struck my fancy upon first sight. The motto on the base of the statue reads, Live Your Dreams. This statue, the Michael Anderson statue in Riverfront Park, has been a symbol of strength for me since I've been here in Spokane. I first saw it when I came here for a startup weekend a couple years ago. I needed a business card for the event and I didn't have any. And it was the day before I took a picture of the statue because someone had put a hat, like a silly um, furry hat on the statue. And it looked really neat. I was drawn to it. I was in the hotel room, the Red Lion, one of my favorite local hotels. And it just happened. I figured out the slogan, the picture, then went down to Kinko's and had a maid. And it was this um, quick process. This statue was a part of that. And it was on my backdrop of my computer for two years. I held on to that image for a long time. And it was recently that I've removed the image from the computer and the profile picture. It's time to move on and move forward, move to, to new thing. We have the, the new logo, the little bear. People haven't really enjoyed. And this isn't good or bad or right or wrong. It's just time. It's time to let go of that symbol that gave me strength and courage and power before. Share it with someone else. That's what I'm doing now. I'm sharing it and releasing it from me so that I can move on to different thoughts. Check it out online or come here to Spokane. The Riverfront Park is a beautiful park and the statue has a powerful story behind it. I do enjoy stories. I speak about stories. Each podcast I'm rambling on about stories and Michael Anderson's story is a powerful one. And he believes in living dreams, pushing forward. He was an astronaut takes a lot of passion, drive, grit, tenacity, motivation, these types of things to be an astronaut. And he did it. And he lived his dreams. Talks about other people living their dreams. Check it out. Local art, Dorothy Fowler for the Michael P. Anderson statue in Riverfront Park here in Spokane. Hoy, okay, Mustachio, that wraps it up for today. Season 2, Episode 4, 10 List, Questions, Comments, and Answers. We appreciate everyone who participated in this episode, and we look forward to future participation as we contact people from the interviews in 2014. Those will be coming up in the next few months. We are excited. The interviews went really well. (laughs) 
the cognitive tarot, once the initial shock wore off, uh, the interviewees really warmed up to the process and it, it was a pleasure. Thank you to everyone who was interviewed. All right, Mustachio and I would like to wish everyone health, happiness, and a humble perspective. Diligence today equals a thriving community tomorrow. Enjoy.